It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hey everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of Panther Paris. We just wanted to let you know before we get started that this episode will discuss themes such as sexual assault that uh, may be uncomfortable for some of you and wanted to give you the opportunity to avoid listening to something that made you just feel a way that we don't want you to feel. But uh, it's definitely important given the recent events regarding the Panthers that we uh, discuss these issues. Thank you. Welcome to Panther Puri, the podcast where we're supposed to talk Panthers hockey, but sometimes we don't. Here are your hosts, Alex Lopez, Jake Langsam, and TJ Peterson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Panther Puri. I am Jacob Langsam. Here with me, as always, are my co-hosts, Alex Lopez and TJ Peterson. And, and um, it's been a very interesting week for the Florida Panthers. They continue their remarkable start to the season uh, with a decisive win over the Boston Bruins uh, to move to 7-0-0, 14 points, best goal differential in the league, just a phenomenal, phenomenal showing from the team. Uh, but also, Joel Quenville may have found himself uh, caught up in, uh, in, some, uh, in some hot water, and it seems by all accounts he will not be behind the bench for the Florida Panthers against the Detroit Red Wings uh, when that game, uh, when puck drops in Detroit for that one. Yeah, it's, it's funny. We've been planning on recording this podcast Thursday night, basically since Monday and everything was, you know, nothing but nothing but sunshine and days. These Panthers are six and oh, we're all riding high. And then yesterday morning, or I guess Tuesday morning afternoon, the news comes out that the Blackhawks report is ready to go. And obviously that's something Panthers fans were keeping an eye on because Joel Quenville was mentioned in those reports back when the news came out that uh, John Doe, number one, was uh, asking for the NHL to investigate this. That investigation came out. Joel Quenville just to you know, recap for everyone, Joel Quenville came out and said he had no idea, vehemently denied any knowledge that there was a sexual abuse going on by Brad Aldrich, the video coordinator at the time. Um, and the report basically, not definitively, if you know, I'm going to give my lawyer point of view, said that Q lied, but 
it was very, very hard to find anything um, saying that Q didn't know, like that he was part of a 15 to 20 minute um, meeting, even though he did miss the beginning of it, where the scandal, the issue was discussed. Again, we don't know exactly what was discussed while Q was there, but again, the plausible deniability of knowledge is gone. So the Panthers were in a position, what do you do with Joel Quenville? Wednesday came and they kind of said, all right, well, we're going to just keep going for now and see if we can get it to blow over. Let's be honest. That's what the organization did. And then John, John Doe, number one said, nah, that ain't it. I'm going to reveal myself, which I don't think anyone expected, especially not Joel Quenville. And at 6.30, 30 minutes before puck drop, dropped the ultimate bomb and said, this is who I am. Oh, John Doe, I think Kyle Beach, right? I got the first name yep. right, Kyle. Kyle yep. Beach said, nah, this is what it's going to be. This is what happened to me, a 20-minute gut-wrenching interview and about Joel Quenville. Well, again, he didn't definitively say, I know for a fact Joel Quenville no, knew. He said enough where he said he knew meetings were taking place about him in Joel Quenville's office. Meetings don't take place in the head coach's office without right. the head coach. If you were holding on to any shred of doubt, you just didn't want it to be true. And let's be honest, none of us wanted it to be true for, you know, personal reasons in terms of, you know, Joel Quenville, we seemed like a good guy. Like when I used to, you know, talk to him after games, like I never thought he was capable of something like this. And the fact that, Hey, the Panthers are good and they have arguably the best coach in the NHL behind their bench. Like no one wanted this to happen, but it did. And it just became more and more obvious that Joel Quenville just cannot be the Florida Panthers head coach anymore. And as we sit here right now, that seems to be like literally live as we're recording, that change seems to be taking place. Mm -hmm. It it happened very quickly for me when the news came out about the Blackhawks report, you know, it kind of came across my mind that, you know, there's a chance that Quenville is going to be mentioned, but I can't remember the name of the guy, the Blackhawks beat writer for the athletic Mark Lazarus. I just remembered. Yeah. He said that, uh, and I believe that this was the case. We knew that this was the case. Quenville had never been put into that room in public reporting before. So this was the first time that we heard that Quenville was in that room. And as soon as the report came out, I opened it up. And to be honest with you guys, I hit control F and I typed in Quenville. So it's not like I, the first thing I did is read the full 107 page report. I have read most of it by now, and I encourage people to read whatever they're comfortable reading because it provides a lot of background on the situation and why the Panthers felt it necessary or the league, you know, determining what happens with Quenville. We think that he's not going to be the coach anymore. We don't necessarily know why that's going to be the case, but You can see from the report why the league took action quickly, meeting with him to go over the report, and now he's no longer the coach of the team. The things that I found particularly relevant were the accounts that were made by the team counselor, Jim Gary, as well as the GM, Stan Bowman, who resigns that day when the report came out, both of which pretty much said that Q knew. And, and I think that that's the, the, the thing. And, you know, Kyle Beach said it himself. That's the thing that really you saw. And it was just gut-wrenching for 
Blackhawks fans, Panthers fans, fans of hockey that appreciated what this guy had done for the game. And like you said, it, it was never about wanting him to go away, but it was necessary. They didn't have a choice. They did not have a choice. Like it, it doesn't matter that the team is seven and zero. It doesn't matter that Joel Quenville is arguably the best coach of all time. It doesn't matter. Joel Quenville failed Kyle Beach. He may not be the most at fault because if you read that report, look, there's definitely people who are way worse than Joel Quenville. Well, but Joel yeah. Quenville, Let's it's start his, with Brad Aldrich. <laughs> yeah. Well, other than Brad Aldrich, obviously, like he's public enemy yeah, number Bowman. one. Isaac. Yeah, but guys like uh, Gary, Dr. Gary, the guy wasn't even on. I'm sorry, but if you ain't a, like, unless, like, I'm sorry, unless you got an MD in your title, you cannot go by Doc. It's bullshit. Uh, excuse me. Mike okay, Emmerich okay, would disagree with you. <laughs> okay, he, okay, he's the only one else. And, and Doc Brown from uh, Back to the Future. Well, he had a, a doctorate, didn't he? Did he? I don't know. I don't know. I want to know a scientist. Hold, yeah. on. Hold on. Are we gonna go I, on a tangent? Are we gonna go on a tangent on this? Yes, we're doing a back to the future tangent because I'm fairly certain that Doc in Brown the middle of the most serious podcast we've doctor. ever done and probably will do. Yeah. Uh I also want to mention that something that uh, that uh really rose the urgency in this matter to me is when Bowman and Gary characterized Quenville as having made statements to the effect of we can't deal with this right now because it would be a distraction. It would affect team chemistry and that would hurt our chances to win the Stanley cup. And to me that like what definitely stood out because while McDonough was also cited as uh, delivering similar sentiments in the meeting, it, really seemed like those were the only two people of the, I, I think it was six people in the meeting that were in the accounts provided by the report delivering that sentiment. Yeah. It's like, it's debatable how much Q knew, but the reality is what we do know is Q was like, I don't care what's going on. We're, we're here to work, win a Stanley cup. And I get it. When you are that close to the ultimate prize, you don't give a shit about anything else going on in the world. But the problem is you can't do that. One of your, your video coordinator was sexually assaulting one of your players, a 20 year old player. Yes. By law, he is an adult, but a 20 year old, a 20 year old trying to make it in the NHL. You can't let that happen. Quenville failed Kyle beach. It's not okay. And you can't just say, oh, it was 11 years ago. It was like, oh, it was 11 years ago. He's learned. Like, you just can't. Because the fact is, if when all of this had came out, Quenville had kind of fallen on his own sword and said, guys, I messed up. I, I knew what was going on, but I was so close to winning my first Stanley Cup. And when that goal is there, you just chase it. But I failed this person. And absolutely, and like, and you have to just like and just show real remorse maybe he could have kept his job with the florida panthers and that's a very very light maybe but like when you denied it and he denied it again yesterday mm -hmm. like you just mm -hmm. he dug his own grave and trust me the hockey fan in me is devastated that the panthers just lost their the number one coach in the nhl off to the 7-0 start but the human in me knew from the second that report was released, this had to be done.
just to just to chime in uh it seems to be split on whether or not doc brown was actually a doctor uh his wikipedia page for the wikipedia page for emmett brown does have him listed as a phd but apparently it was never confirmed in the uh in the canon of the movie uh of the movies of the trilogy whether or not doc brown actually ever received a doctorate that is my contribution well, that's obviously extremely important, and I'm glad we uh, got to that. I'm just going to say so, I was right. Doc Emmerich and Doc Brown. Those are the two, the two people whose uh, qualifications to be able to refer to themselves as doctor are in question, but are still allowed to be called yeah. doc. Now to actually chime in on the important shit, because I just spent that entire conversation looking up whether Doc Brown actually has a doctorate. Uh, yeah, the problem here is... There are two options for Joel Quenville's conclusion to this saga. One, he knew about it the whole time, helped cover it up, and then lied about it. Or two, he was telling the truth and did not know what was going on, which falls somewhere between totally irresponsible and absolutely negligent uh, to not protect his players when he knew that there was an issue with a coach on his staff and a player on his team. I, I understand the, and I use understand very loosely here, uh, the, the public side of, oh, he kicked it up to management. It's not his job. He, his job is to win hockey games and he was doing that, but fuck that. Uh, that's dumb. And if you think that you should feel bad. Because a coach on his staff and a player on his team had an issue. And the fact that he, that if, if he didn't, if he really didn't know about it, the fact that he didn't figure out what the problem was that a player on his team had with one of his coaches, that's, that's bad too. That is a problem. That is negligence to his responsibilities as head coach. And I want to add on to that. He pretty much did the opposite of kick it upstairs. He told the administrative people in the meeting, let's not do anything about this because that would hurt our chances of winning. So like, I, I definitely saw that sentiment that, you know, he deferred to upper management and upper management were the ones that were negligent, but it's pretty clear in the report, at least based on the interviews given to uh, Jenner and block, that's the name of the, the firm, I believe I, I might've gotten that wrong, but based on the interviews that multiple people gave, he tried to encourage those people not to do anything at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty clear that Quenville's mentality was I'm four wins away from a Stanley cup. I don't want to deal with this shit. Like let's, let's we'll deal with it later, which is, but he had to know enough. He had to know enough. the only way after he's been put in the room that he could have gotten away with it was as soon as he walked in, someone said, Hey Q, we got to deal with an issue off ice. And he had just said, nah, I'm not dealing with this. And just walked out of it. He's like, you guys handle it and walked back out of it. He would have been negligent for not staying in the room, but he could have at least maintained that deniability of, I didn't know what was going on. I was so focused on winning a Stanley cup. I didn't even take part in the conversation. He would have looked like an asshole, but he'd still be a head coach in the NHL. He stayed in the room. He had to know, at least enough, he may have not have known exact specifics. He may not have known exactly what kind of sexual assault took place, but he had to know that there was a serious problem. And he just said, yeah, we'll leave it until after the, after the, the cup finals are over. The cup finals ended and nothing was done. 
And guess what? A 16-year-old was raped because the Blackhawks and by extension Q did nothing. A 16-year-old. It's not acceptable. I do want to say they didn't do nothing, but what they did was grossly irresponsible because they did not do anything to let anybody know what kind of person Brad Aldrich is. And that's why the abuse that you were talking about happened. Yeah, uh, they well, they did nothing. They let him leave with a letter of recommendation. Yes, it was a pretty, you know, standard, you know, positive evaluation that Q wrote for pretty much all of the support staff, but he was allowed to leave without a scar on his record. Elliot Friedman. Okay, what do we got? Awaiting official wording on Joel Quenville, but sounds like Andrew Burnett as interim coach in Florida. That makes the most sense. <laughs> I'll be honest, I can't even remember what Burnett does on the staff right now. The opposite but, of Derek McKenzie. The opposite of Derek does. McKenzie. Um, okay, but it doesn't do the power play, if I remember right. I think so. I think he Which, does the power play. Uh... It was great last year. But look, well, before we kind of talk about this, is do we have anything else to say about why Q lost his job? Yeah, I mean, even if he didn't know, like you were saying, he could. He had a lot of time after they won the Stanley Cup to go back and figure out what happened and not write the positive performance review and not come out years later and say, I didn't know anything. And, you know, I really do believe in rehabilitation and I'm not going to say let's lock away Q and throw away the key. Cause that's just not my philosophy, but you know, my ability to say that we can give him some room to change and then perhaps he can work his way back into the hockey world is the fact that he lied about this literally yesterday. And that's why I, I just cannot see in his yeah. lifetime, he's ever going to be back. And, and look, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I'd be, I won't be surprised at all if he's behind another bench next year. It's going to, it's going to suck as a Panthers fan. So that, Oh, you know, we, we did the right thing, let him go. And then someone else immediately did the wrong thing and brought him back. But you know, the Panthers did what they had to do. They handled it terribly yesterday. Q should have been, you know, leave of absent. Mm -hmm. Andrew Burnett should have been behind the bench as right. the head guy. Yes. But, you know, and I, and I think that, you know, we deserve, they deserve for us to at least mention not that, you know, we're some big arbiters of truth and justice and the way of the quail, but like they deserve to be raked over the coals for how they handled it yesterday, but they did do the right thing and they didn't wait. They waited about 24 hours before finally doing the right thing. And it is what it is. Jacob, any uh, final thoughts on Q before we kind of move on? Corroborated by uh, by Pierre LeBron and Tim Reynolds. Q's gone, officially. Yeah, he resigned. Quenville resigns. Panthers just put out their statement. I mean, I would just read the whole thing because I haven't read it yet to enough to know what's relevant. Sunrise, Florida. The Florida Panthers announced today that head coach Joel Quenville has resigned from his role with the club. An interim head coach announcement will be forthcoming. Following a meeting this afternoon, including Commissioner Gary Bettman, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly, General Manager Bill Zito, and President and CEO Matthew Caldwell, Joel Quentville tendered his resignation. Statement from President and CEO Matt Caldwell. After the release of the Jenner and Block investigative report on Tuesday afternoon, we have continued to diligently review the information within that report in addition to new information that has recently become available. It should go without saying that the conduct described in that report is troubling and, and inexcusable. It stands in direct contrast to our values as an organization and what the Florida Panthers stand for. No one should ever have to endure what Kyle Beach experienced during and long after his time in Chicago. Quite simply, he was failed. We praise his bravery and courage in coming forward. 
following a meeting today with Commissioner Bettman at National Hockey League offices, which was part of the league's process to decide how to move forward. Joel made the decision to resign and the Florida Panthers accepted that resignation. And literally seconds after the announcement was made, Joel Quenville has released a statement and I'll read that. With deep regret and contrition, I announced my resignation as head coach of the Florida Panthers. I want to express my sorrow for the pain this young man, Kyle Beach, has suffered. My former team, the Blackhawks, failed Kyle and I own my share of that. I want to reflect on how all of this happened and take the time to educate myself on ensuring hockey spaces are safe for everyone. That's about as good of a statement as he could give, honestly. As an attorney, I'm going to say both statements were absolutely written by attorneys. Oh, with for sure. Obviously <laughs> input from the uh, people involved. I, I personally would have liked Q to have said that, you know, my former team and my, uh, and I, or my, I and myself and my, and my former team failed Kyle. Yeah. But that did seem to be deflecting issues, but liability issues. You can't put that in writing again. This is the lawyer, Alex Lopez talking and not the human, the human saying, I wanted to see it. The lawyer knows that you're never going to get that in an official statement because of liability issues. I mean, I, I think that we should see this statement as a positive development. He said a lot of the right things. Obviously, that work that he alluded to doing into better understanding how he failed Kyle Beach and how he would need to operate in hockey spaces in the future to prevent anything like that from even being possible. You have to have a lot of skepticism about it, though, given that how willing he was to say that he stood by his July statement that he knew nothing yesterday. And now today he's releasing this very apologetic statement. I, I applaud him for saying that he's going to do the work. I hope to see it happen. And um, let, let's just hope for the best. I know I already said final thoughts, but obviously more broke as we were talking. Any more final thoughts before we kind of move on to what's next? I, I, I forgot what I was going to say before the Panthers statement was read, but uh, I want to get it in here just so I don't forget it again. Uh, Bettman made an announcement when Bowman resigned and uh, the other Blackhawks people were fired that in order to regain employment in the National Hockey League, he would have to approve the uh, terms of yeah. that. And I wonder if that's what's going to happen with Quenville. My guess would be it is. Yes. Um, interesting note from Tim Reynolds here, pointing out that Joel Quenville made the decision to resign. Right. That's what the statement I, said. Yeah. Right. I, I wonder if it was like, Joel, you need to resign, or if it was genuinely Joel Quenville thinking, let me step aside and be better. I, I think it's a little column A, a little column B. Yeah. Uh, again, lawyer talking. I wouldn't also, I would also, I also wouldn't be surprised if part of it was, Hey, Joel, resign. Don't make us fire you. We'll let you keep your money instead of firing you for cause. Yeah. And again, there's all sorts of legal issues because his, just like John Gruden, who recently got taken down for not sexual assault issues, but similar issues and things he did 10 years ago, that misconduct didn't happen while associated with the Florida Panthers. So instead of all sorts of litigation over money, I wouldn't be surprised if the Panthers said, Joel, you're going to keep your money, maybe like deferred payout so we don't have to pay you. $12 million in the next two years, but you're going to get your money. Just go into the sunset and just let, let everyone move on. I mean, uh, it's far from me to be the one to say, here's what I think will happen with the money. I, I think we'll probably never really find that out. Uh, but I do want to point out that the team 
released the statement in July, which, you know, everybody has been talking about in the national media and in the uh, Canadian media as well, as having been contradicted by the report to be the most possibly uh, generous to that statement. The, the team put that out. The team had their name on that statement. It was not Joel Quenville who made that statement of his own accord. And, you know, that that to me falls under contract, con, uh, what's the word? Conduct detrimental yes. to your organization, or John? Yes. To the team. Yeah, I mean, th that's what I'll say about the money part of it. Uh, we've got another statement. We've got Gary Bettman. Go for it, Jacob. I've already read one out. Do you want to? Well, I already read one, too. I don't think I've read any of them. Do you want to read the Gary Bettman statement? Um, let me just make sure I can find it. All right. Statement from NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman on the resignation of Joel Quenville. The National Hockey League agrees with the decision tonight by Joel Quenville to resign his duties as head coach of the Florida Panthers. In his former role as Blackhawks head coach, Mr. Quenville was among several former members of the club's senior leadership group who mishandled the 2010 sexual assault claim by former player Kyle Beach against the club's then video coach, Brad Aldrich. And following a meeting with Mr. Quenville that took place this afternoon in my office, all parties agreed that it was no longer appropriate that he continue to serve as Florida head coach. Quote, I admire Kyle Beach for his courage in coming forward and am appalled that he was so poorly supported upon making his initial claim, and in the 11 years since, am sorry for all he has endured. We thank the Panthers organization for working with us to ensure that a thorough process was followed. Given the result, there is no need for further action by the NHL regarding Mr. Quenville at this time. However, should he wish to re-enter the league in some capacity in the future, I will require a meeting with him in advance in order to determine the appropriate conditions under which new employment might take place. You cut out TJ. I picked up where you, uh, where you cut out. <laughs> and I think the NHL coaches association, or whatever, just put out a statement. I think we're done with statements. Yeah. I think we're done talking Q. Honestly, I just want to start talking about the few. I mean, obviously we're still going to refer to Q as this goes on, but like, I just want to start moving forward. Andrew Burnett, it's not official in terms of the Panthers, but enough legitimate people are saying it. Andrew Burnett is the head coach going interim head coach going forward. I'll give my thoughts and then I'll just kind of kick it around to everyone. I think an interim head coach for the time being is the right move. The reality is this team yeah, is course. seven and zero. Oh. Any head coach you bring in from the outside is going to want to at least start putting in his systems. Um, I don't want to get into talking about torts right now, but that is a name that's already out there. I want to talk about Andrew Burnett and then we'll go to the outside people, but like anyone, even a great head outside head coach was going to even a great outside head coach would have was, you know, is going to want to change things. And this isn't a team that should be changing anything right now. Maybe, yeah, the power play could improve, but like you're seven and oh, your expected goals is outstanding. You're getting great play from Bobrovsky. Don't, I mean, yes, the boat just got rocked heavily by losing your head coach, but don't change anything system-wise right now. And a, and a new coach is going to do from the outside is going to do that. Bill Zito doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would be unprepared for this, knowing what he knew about the Blackhawks investigation. Not that I'm saying that he would have known something that was unearthed by the investigation. I'm saying that he knew it was going on. So I'm sure that he was prepared for the possibility that something would come out and that the team would just not be able to continue its relationship with Quenville. He probably has a, a list of a few guys that he wants to talk to 
and I'm sure that that process will begin pretty soon. And I'm not surprised that Tortorella would be one of those people considering their relationship uh, after working together in Columbus. And that's just how hockey is. You know, people know people and that's how people get jobs. I'm interested to see who else might be a potential candidate. Uh, I will go out on a limb, not really, and say I don't think Andrew Burnett is a candidate for this job. Yeah, I mean, Andrew Burnett, fine choice for the interim. I mean, we'll see. We'll see tomorrow night. We'll see in Detroit. We'll see who's uh, who's shouting at the refs all night. I want, I want to put something out there before we start talking about outside hires, just because it did something similar did just happen in baseball with the Red Sox, where they were forced to fire their manager, Alex Cora, basically brought in an interim guy for a year. And then as soon as the heat blew over, Alex Cora was back as the Red Sox manager. Could you see the Panthers doing something similar where Andrew Burnett runs the bench for the end of this season? And then assuming in a big if, if Joel Quenville actually does the work and, you know, shows that he learned from his mistake, gets brought back in 2022, 20, you know, 22, 23 season to say, all right, right. Joel, you're back. One, how would you guys feel if that happened? And two, what what do you think the likelihood of that is? Well, I don't think it's particularly likely. I don't think I'd be happy about it. A a year seems like not enough time. You know, I I hope that he starts doing the work right away. And, you know, what's probably most pivotal in him doing that work is not trying to get back into the league, but more so trying to preserve what he's already done in the league. And that's a big part of the reason why I don't think he's ever going to come back. But I think especially it's not going to be with the Panthers because that would just be the biggest S storm possible with him reemerging. I disagree. Censoring yourself now. I I disagree that it would mean, look, the Panthers are catching shit right now because of how they handled it today. But the reality is the Panthers aren't the team that covered up sexual assault. It was the Blackhawks. So if you wanted to bring, and and it's kind of like the same thing that happened with the Red Sox. Again, cheating, you know, banging a trash can is nowhere near the same stratosphere as sexual assault. But like the reason the, you know, the Red Sox were able to bring Cora back and very little was said was because they weren't the team that actually did it. Cora was associated with the Astros when it all happened. But he what they he, you know he wasn't on the Red Sox when he was cheating and Q wasn't on the Panthers when all of this happened. I do think there's a possibility that it could happen. I I do not agree with you that the backlash would be in insane. I mean I think the backlash the, the shitstorm would have gotten. A, I mean the shitstorm picked up in a big way today. I think it would have gotten even bigger if Q was behind the bench tomorrow. But I don't want to devolve yes. back into that. I, I do think there is an avenue where the Panthers could pull that off. I know, TJ, you're against it. I would need to see what happens with Q before I would be like, yeah, I'm going home about it. Yeah. But in my mind, I, I think Q's a head coach again next year. He He's going to want that thousandth win. He's going to want the most wins all time. And he's too good of a head. Like, the reality is, and it's really despicable to say it, whether or not you get to stick around is all dependent on how good you are. And... Q is really fucking good as a head coach. So people are going to be willing to look the other way and say, oh yeah, he had enough time off. How do you prove that you've learned enough from your mistake in this situation though? To me, not, not to steamroll, because I know I've talked a lot today. To me, the first thing he does is go to Kyle Beach face-to-face and say, I'm sorry, how can I work with you? And like, how can I work with you to prevent that, you know, prevent this, even if we can just, this from happening to one kid or get one kid to come forward and 
put another abuser away. Be an advocate. Like, I mean, I, I, I hate to just keep using examples from other sports, but like, what is it? Leonard, what, what was, what's his first My, name? Uh, Myers, Myers Leonard. Myers Leonard. You know, he yeah, used... what Myers Leonard did was actually quite good. That That is a very good example of learning from your mistake. Right. Myers Leonard, you know, used a, I, I guess it's not a racial slur. Jacob, you, you can correct me here since you're a member you of the tribe. You can just use the word slur. Yeah, that, that, yeah. ethnic that slur. He, he, he used, used a slur. A, a slur derogatory towards the Jewish community. And it was completely unacceptable. And he lost his job in the NBA for it, but he went rightfully so rightfully so but he immediately went and did the work and he did a lot of it and yeah you you didn't hear a peep about myers leonard until like a few weeks ago when all of a sudden it came out that like he'd run a series of conversations with jewish with jewish leaders and rabbis and jewish communities and honestly put forth effort to learn about why what he did was wrong i was very impressed yeah it's one of those things where it's like yeah, you can never like, you can't erase what you did, but the path, like you actually went and chased the path to forgiveness out of wanting to be forgiven. Like Michael Vick's another person who did that. Like if you watch the Michael Vick 30 for 30, like he chased forgiveness, not because he wanted to play the NFL again, because he wanted to be forgiven wanted to learn why he was wrong. Q's got to do that. And it's, and you know, when someone's doing it for sure or not. And the way, you know, is if there's always a camera when he's doing it. Right. And that's why I point out that you heard nothing from Myers Leonard until a few weeks ago. And Myers Leonard, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it's not like he's gotten an NBA job back. No, he's, I mean, he was a fringe player at that point anyway. And once you're a fringe player and you do something stupid, no one's going to touch you because (laughs) you're not worth it. Again, it's the same thing. Like you're not worth it. I mean, Patrick Kane did awful shit when, you know, he was young and he stayed in the NHL because he was one of the top talents in the NHL. Like, this is how it is. Yeah, I mean, Kane and Tay is also putting out statements that, uh, you know, Kane's statement, pretty much your standard fare for, you know. At least, yeah, at, like they were, were both really shitty statements, but at least Patrick Kane called Stan Bowman and Al McIsaac's removals yeah. good. Jonathan Tay's statement was garbage. Yeah, but was it good it because they ran like, the team uh, into the ground, though? <laughs> yeah, that's the one thing you got to remember. You know what? Fair point. <laughs> yeah like Patrick that's how I took it still did the shitty thing of being like well I didn't have any problems with them but it's a good thing that they're not involved anymore and like that's still shitty to point out that like you didn't have any personal problems with them so you still think they're good people but I at least give Patrick Kane credit for calling it for calling the removals a good thing Jonathan Taves was straight up like I'm paraphrasing yeah. here, but he Jonathan Taves was basically like fuck cancel culture. These are good people who don't deserve to lose their jobs. Yeah, everyone. That, that's that's Jonathan Taves' statement in a nutshell, and it sucked. Yeah, every statement you've seen from a Blackhawks player, all of them saying that they had no idea what it was going on, failed. I, I just like the I, I want to add some oh, Duncan Keith. By Ugh. the way, like you you mean player from the 2010 Blackhawks, not the current Blackhawks. Of course. Yeah. Obviously, there's current Blackhawks who are on the 2010 team. Yeah. But all the current, all the. Um, it's. I think Taves and Kane. Are, yeah. That, they're, they're, but that's what I'm saying. That's who I'm yeah, referring okay. to. But like everyone, uh, an interesting happened today. Dave Boland, who isn't the most active person on Twitter, but he deleted his Twitter today. So I'm sure there's a skeleton there that we'll find out about eventually. You know who I would love to hear from, honestly? This, like, I would love to hear from Dan Carcillo. He's already said that. One of. Did he? He's, yeah, he. Carcillo has been one of the most outspoken ex-players 
on Twitter in like the last five years. Yeah, Carcillo. I would love to hear what Carcillo said about all this. Carcillo was a flyer when all of this happened, and he said even they knew about it. I'll be honest, to me, it's like, again, this is me being a skeptical lawyer. It seemed like a bit of a stretch saying that the opposing team knew what was going on in the Blackhawks locker room. But, you know, either way, it is what it is. Like Carcillo came out and said, you know, he's obviously appalled. And he, like Jacob said, that he's been a really outspoken critic of the NHL culture for the last few years. Uh, but to me, that statement kind of felt a, lot, a little bit of, hey, I want to get my name out there, even though I wasn't on the team at the time. Carcillo is made a few small statements on Twitter just saying like as an abuse survivor this is a good thing I stand I applaud Kyle Beach and thank you Rick Westhead that's basically Carcillo's statement so far yeah. um outside, than I would have expected outside hires uh before honestly I hated it at first but I'm warming up to the idea of Tortorella Ew, I'm no. warming up to it and hear hear me out uh, well, well, hold on, hold on, hold roster. on, Jacob. Just for a second, again, I know I'm steamrolling, but just so people can understand, even though most people know Kevin Weeks, who was the first to break that the cues on the way out news, did uh, link Tortorella to the Panthers' job. So that's kind of why we're starting at Tortorella. Jacob, back to you. First of all, John Tortorella earlier today said that Alexander Barkov is the best player in the NHL. Or at least the best campaigning um, hard. I honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if he was just trying to act as the heel to a conversation about Connor McDavid being the best player in the world um, because Tortorella likes to play contrarian. But here's why I think that John Tortorella would actually be a decent outside hire for the Panthers. The Panthers roster, as it is currently constructed, is far better than anything he ever had to work with in Columbus. Think about the types of players that John Torrell likes. He likes defensively responsible players. He likes players like Sasha Barkov, like Sam Bennett, like Anton Lindell, like Mackenzie Weger, like Aaron Ekblad, like uh, Mason Marchment. Like, I mean, the Panthers team, as it's currently constructed, is full of players that play Tortorella's defensive hockey. They can also flip the dime and go into the other end. But this is a team, I, I wouldn't say that they play a quote-unquote Tortorellan style, but these are players that play in a style that John Tortorella does like individually. The only two players that I would honestly be concerned about are Jonathan Huberto and Anthony Duclair. There are obvious concerns with Anthony Duclair, uh, considering his history with Tortorella. <laughs> considering that they've had a relationship before and John Tortorella Wait. basically said that he doesn't think Anthony Duclair knows how to play hockey. Yeah, that was pretty, yeah, pretty and, bad. And but that was when Anthony Duclair wasn't the leading goal scorer on his team. And right now, Anthony Duclair is the leading goal scorer on the first place team in the league. So, yeah, you also have to remember Bob. Sergey Bobrovsky earned his $70 million contract playing behind John Tortorella's defense. Yeah, but he literally refused to sign Resigned with Columbus because he hated John Tortorella. You know who loved John Tortorella, though? Bill Zito. Emmy Panarin. Yeah, well, we have Bobrovsky and not Panarin. Thanks, Tortorella. Right, but, like, fair. But I don't think Tortorella would be the worst hire. He's won a Stanley Cup. He's shown adaptability to some degree. And I think that the Panthers roster, as it is currently constructed, is 
full of players that John Tortorella would absolutely fall in love with. I don't necessarily disagree, but I still think he would be the wrong hire. I'm pretty much in, in line with a lot of what both of you said. Like as a hockey move, I wouldn't hate it, but considering the Duclair Re, uh, relationship that existed in the past and the things that were said in the media, like that would definitely need to be something he would address immediately. And I would need to yeah. know that he's committed to having a better relationship with Duclair from the get to be completely okay with it. Let me segue to sure. another person that I think might be an interesting person for this job. Jim Montgomery, former Dallas Stars coach, now on the St. Louis bench as an assistant there has been brought up in the potential new head coaching conversation well before the report came out. And we thought that Q's uh, job was going to be in jeopardy. What would you think about uh, Jim Montgomery behind the Panthers bench? Has he dealt with his issue, the issues that took him out of Dallas? We don't know. He's kind of gone zero dark 30 ever since he was fired for having alcoholism issues. But in terms of as a coach, he was someone I was extremely high on when the uh, when Bob Booger was hired. He was my uh, second choice behind the guy I will mention as another option for the Panthers. I think in Denver, when they were a dominant college hockey team, he was doing a great job with the Dallas Stars. He just had some was personal he? issues. Yeah, they were doing really they well. They were doing well. Okay. I, I feel like I'm I'm less high on Jim Montgomery with Henrik Borgstrom not on our team anymore. Because that honestly, that was like my big thing about Jim Montgomery was that Henrik Borgstrom was supposed yeah, to be our next just, big thing. And he played for Montgomery in Denver. Yeah, but he is a forward-thinking coach. He is... He does use analytics. He's, you know, he's not a dinosaur. Like uh, that's, that's an option that I I hadn't thought of TJ, but I really like it. I'd be interested Um, in hearing a pitch at least. Look, Tortorella is literally at the bottom of my list. I just, I I think you have way too many issues with current Panthers players. And when you talk about like, like I already mentioned, the boat's already been rocked, but if you bring Tortorella in, you're just flipping it over and like you're risking your, you're, you're risking the best first line in the NHL. <laughs> you're capsizing your own boat. Right. But you're, you're, you're risking. Not, the, I, don't, I don't know if I agree with that though, Alex. If, if he does, if he comes in and says, Duclair sucks, you're on the fourth line and you're a scratch. He's risking the first line. Yeah. But how do you come in and make them like consciously make the decision to break up a very successful line. And again, I need to point out Anthony Duclair, currently the leading goal scorer on the best team in the league. I mean, coaches have coaches have their guys they like and coaches and they have their don't. I mean, look at Ralph Kruger. Jeff Skinner went from a 45 goal scorer, nine million dollar contract, which we all know is too much, and literally for no reason got shoved on the fourth line of the Buffalo Sabres. An absolutely d- baffling move. But if a coach doesn't like you he does not care what how you're performing he's just going to bench you because he doesn't he doesn't like you do we need to throw a reminder out there that anthony duclair started the season on the fourth line and only got up to the first because reinhardt wasn't clicking with barkov okay but that's different he you know that was hey we're trying to find the right combination not i don't q doesn't like declare go to the fourth line sure about that i think there was evidence last year to to be able to say that quenville might not have liked anthony duclair all that much i mean if that was true he wouldn't have been brought back that's true um but it was peculiar that he was either with barkov or he was on the fourth line although there were there was that handful of games where he was with bennett and huberdo and man that was some that was some magic when he was with huberdo 
Uh, I know the numbers were better with Tippett, yeah. but like the the highlights with Duclair and Huberto were Harlem Globetrotters. So fun. Yeah. Although, I mean, the the Bennett Huberto highlights so far this year are also, also highlight, quite fun. We should acknowledge the Lindell Reinhardt highlights. We should. Oh, Lindell Reinhardt is my new OTP. We we should acknowledge. I, speaking I should of OTPs, we should acknowledge the face that Sam Bennett made when Huberto scored that goal against Arizona. <laughs> just just complete and yeah. total enamoration. Yeah, that was uh, that was the. I mean, I think it was Dwork who did it first, and then everyone else copied him. Find someone who looks at you the way. Sam Bennett looks at Huberto and yeah, that was like the, there, there isn't a better quote. Yeah. It's just used all the time, but like that was the perfect quote for that pick. So apparently so uh, Huberto put that up on his Instagram too. I believe it. <laughs> and he, he like the, the comment was find someone who looks at you the way Sam Bennett looks at me. Yeah. To, to get, <laughs> Oh, that's great. To get kind of back on track. Uh, I just want to say uh, Jim Montgomery. I think it's the most interesting name out there oh, to me, right. but like Alex said, but Alex, we need yeah. some, we need some clarity on the situation that led him to leave the Dallas bench. Also do want to point out that uh, Rick bonus didn't exactly like lead them to, you know, a drop off. He, he picked up where uh, Jim Montgomery was going and uh, took them to the cup final. So that is something that I'm a little bit sure. hesitant about. Uh, Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm dying again, to know. I mean, that, that cup run, that cup run was really, it was weird carried by Anton Hudobin and also all those avalanche injuries. But anyway, Alex, I'm, I'm really intrigued to hear who your top candidate is. So I have a head coach for us and it's someone with a cup someone who was coaching last year and had a very mediocre roster overperforming and was fired because even overperforming, they weren't performing well wins and losses wise. It's Claude Julien, former head coach of the Boston Bruins when he won a cup, former head coach of the Montreal Canadiens. He is a very good head coach. Yes, he is older, but he is, he believes in analytics his teams always have good analytics. I mean, the analytics that Montreal had last year, despite the dearth of talent on that team, were incredible. They actually got worse analytically after they fired him and just rode Carey Price to the finals, but they were a much worse team after they fired Claude Julien. Like, it, I mean, I don't want to, we've, you know, I've said fluke ad nauseum about Montreal, but Claude Julien is a really good option if you're going to go with an outside hire because he's got the, like, he's got the pedigree where he's going to walk in the room and get the respect of the team. Like it's going to be extremely hard for any outsider to come into this Panthers locker room. That's seven and zero, and just lost arguably the best coach of all time and say, Hey, respect me. Claude Julien could at least get that. Like he, at least you should at least listen to him to start. And I think, you know, obviously it'll never be the same as Q, but He's not an option for obvious reasons anymore. I think Claude Julien is the best outside hire possible. Two, two notes on that. One, Claude Julien is younger than Joel Quenville. So let's start there. Uh, you say he's older, but I mean, he's literally younger than Joel Quenville. By <laughs> right, years. but I'm saying older than um, like younger school coaches. Older like than like Jim Montgomery. Yeah. And two, the second note being that Claude Julien holds the distinction of uh, unseating the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks as reigning Stanley Cup champions. Yeah, so that's <laughs> so he should thing. be celebrated for that alone. 
<laughs> That's my pick. I, I think he'd be like, if you're going to go outside, though, as you know, as this day goes on, I'm leaning more and more towards going with, she's uh, already forgot his name, Andrew Burnett. Did I get that? Well, yeah, yeah but that's just the interim choice. He's right, not, but what I'm saying yeah. is I'm, I'm fine going interim for the time yeah, being. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, if the team falls off, you bring in someone from the outside. But, like, right now where I'm leaning is, hey, Andrew Burnett, it's your team. Keep the systems Q had going. Try to keep this team moving forward. Obviously, look, there's going to be a lot of distractions. I wouldn't be surprised by a mini losing streak in the next week or so. But, you know, the, like that's, I think, the best case forward right now because the team is playing so well. But if for whatever reason Andrew Burnett's not up to the task, Claude Julien's my first call. Yep. I think that there's going to be a lot of time for the team to integrate themselves into the new coaches systems, whoever it is, even if they take their time, because it's still so early in the season. And that's, you know, kind of a, a negative thing because they will have to make the change. And we saw that, that it was working and they don't have that many points banked, but there's a lot of time to get adjusted and, you know, provided that they don't hire a coach, with eight games to go in the regular season, they're going to have a lot of time to get used to the system that they're going to use in the playoffs. And that's what matters. I mean, we, we we're really happy with the regular season success. It's going to be very special when the team goes 82, Oh, no, but what really matters is uh, <laughs> making a deep playoff run. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. My thought is I just keep the continuity. Yes. They're going to have time to adjust for the new systems, but, the current systems work. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And that's that's my scare. Well, let's let's throw out a few more uh, names and just give uh, quick reactions as to whether or not they might be a good fit. Uh, Bruce Boudreaux is a name that just came into my head. <laughs> that's the name I was going. That was the name exact name I was going to say when you said let's throw some more names. Alex Wenberg is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> is he I'm hot sorry. like like attractive picture- or hot like he's scoring well? <laughs> Oh, a picture of him just popped up on my timeline, and my goodness, cleansing the soul, Jacob. That's what that's what you're trying to do right now. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send this picture to you guys. Alex, uh, yeah, Bruce, Bruce, Boudreaux. Bruce Boudreaux is an interesting one, except for the part where he like has a habit, has a really bad habit of losing in game sevens. Although I guess TJ, you, you don't, uh, you can't lose in a game seven if you win every series in four. That's true. So yeah, fo fo fo. You just got to get it done in six or less. That's that's what you need to do. No, not six or less. Four fo 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 fo. Eighty-two zero and zero is out. 98 0 and 0 is okay. In. I will, make... I guess, it'll be faux, 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 faux because you need four foes. I'll, I'll have to do uh, uh, an asterisk every time I say 82 0 and 0 from now on because uh, it's 82 0 and 0 and then 16 0 and 0 for a combined 98 0 and 0. Yeah, 98 no. Yeah, Bruce Pedro, like he's a name, he was with the Caps for a while. Where was he last? Minnesota, Minnesota, Minnesota. Yeah, it's just another one where Dean Evison has done very well there. And he was the immediate uh, coach that came after. So you do, you do wonder, I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of you need somebody new to um, get into the room and uh, keep the message fresh. I don't know. Uh, Is there anybody else that you think is going to be a a candidate for this? That's like not, you know, an assistant that we would kind of be pulling from Wikipedia or something like that. I was going to say Laviolette, but I just realized he's, he's with the, uh, Capitals again. Also, yeah. like, no, just no. I don't, I don't, 
I I was gonna say uh, I was gonna ask uh, ask the audience if Dallas Eakins is still an assistant, but no, he's head coach he's, of, of Anaheim. Right, now. right. I like him a lot. I mean, Trent Green and uh, is it Trent Green? Whatever. Vancouver's head coach Green. Vancouver, he could be yeah. uh, he could be available soon, considering that team's awful start. Um, <laughs> what I, about think about this? Toronto goes on or continues their massive losing streak. Sheldon Keefe gets fired. And becomes available. I'd take Keith. I think he's a good I, coach. I'm I'm not in love with Keith. I'm not necessarily saying that I would be upset when but, he gets hired. TJ, consider it would be funny. Chief Keith. That's true. <laughs> Look, you got me there. You know, whoever the coach ends up being, I think that we're going to be all right. We've we've seen the talent on this team. We were just talking about it. The Bennett Huberto combination, the Lundell Reinhardt combination, hell, the Barchment. Reinhardt combination. I mean, things are going to be okay. The Lundell Reinhardt Marchment line is my favorite thing in the things world. Things will be right okay. Now. So, unless you guys think that uh, we need to talk about anything else uh, related to the Panthers, I think that it's probably appropriate for us to spend the end of the episode talking about how Kyle Beach was wronged and just the, you know, implications and the extent of what happened to him as a result of the in action by the Blackhawks in addition to, you know, what he experienced. And, you know, he was drafted in the first round, number 13 overall by the Blackhawks. And I'm sure that he you know, was thrilled to be part of that organization that was on the way up. They had these star players and he was performing well in WHL. He gets his opportunity to play with the minor league team. He puts up uh, a point every other game roughly in the in the 2010-11 AHL season and gets an opportunity to spend time with the Blackhawks on their cup run, which probably was something that even though he probably dreamed about it differently, you know, him being able to lift the cup, for example, it's it's something that you dream about being able to be a member of the the team that's going on the run for the Stanley Cup and potentially being able to win it. And then, you know, he has to go through this just unspeakably traumatic event, and his life is forever altered. His career is forever altered, and he never played a single NHL game. And the financial security that he could have ensured for himself and his family by playing even just a few seasons in the NHL was lost. We don't know for a fact that he would have been able to have a, have a long, successful NHL career. We can say with a decent amount of certainty that Aldrich robbed him of a significant, more significant career in hockey, because I don't want to diminish what he has accomplished in spite of all this. I, I, I think that it's very respectable, but he could have become what he dreamed about, and he was robbed of it, plain and simple. I don't think we need to add anything to that. I think that was extremely well said. Yeah, uh, that's pretty much all it is. I mean, he may not have ever made it to the NHL. Like he was a Dale Talon draft pick and you know how Dale Talon likes to draft. So who knows, but the NHL failed him. Quenville failed him. The Blackhawks organization failed him. The man was sexually assaulted and that's why we're here today. Like, Panthers don't have a coach because he did nothing. Yeah, he won a cup. And he won two more, but he failed someone who was being sexually assaulted under his watch. Mm-hmm. And sports are just supposed to be an accessory to having a happy life. 
and they 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 can't trump these these kind of issues they just can't like it's our responsibility as human beings to make sure that they don't and i'm happy that it seems like that 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 is the priority of the nhl and the panthers today and we can be proud to to see that i got one more thing before we wrap i know there's a lot of people who are upset that Q is no longer the coach because they wanted this team to be good. Look, I'll be honest. I'm upset that Q is no longer the coach because this team was humming along. But if it was your son, if your son was Kyle Beach, or if your son was the 16 year old, would you be okay with Q being behind the bench? You shouldn't be. Alex, take us home. That's it guys. No witty sign off today. This isn't the podcast for it. Thank you for listening. Hopefully next time we're talking, obviously we'll still be dealing with the Q fallout, but Hopefully it's a lot more fun, even if the Panthers have lost a couple of games. Like this wasn't a fun podcast to record, but it was a podcast we needed to do. Thank you for listening. This was another episode of Panther Pre for Jacob Langsam and TJ Peterson. I'm Alex Lopez. Thank you for listening, guys. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.